This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. This show is about you. It's about coaches. It's about athletes. It's about parents. It's about kids. It's about fans. It's about the mental side of sports. I have been a sports psychologist in the Kansas City area in my 39th year of work, 28th year of radio, and my 18th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our show is now on a number of cities around the country, and our list is growing, and we're going to be moving into the Pacific Northwest here pretty soon, I'm excited to say, and our show is about the mind and sports, how they relate together, how they work together, about motivation, about attitudes, about focus, about a lot of different issues that affect us psychologically on the athletic field. I've had the privilege to work with athletes at all levels of competition, from youth sports all the way to the professional and Olympic level. And one of the cool things that I get to do is I get to work with people who want to get better. I get to work with people who want to improve. I get to work with people who are looking at ways to motivate themselves and challenge themselves and see what they, they are capable of doing. You know, every week I come up with a topic for this show that I think will be worthy of discussion. And throughout the week, as I talk to clients and, and talk to people about sports and mindsets and things like that, one of the things that seems to pop up quite a bit that I've been hearing now that we're in the winter season and basketball is going on, indoor swimming is going on. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of people have talked to me about this topic. Doc, should coaches yell at kids? Should coaches yell? I'm like, well, should anybody yell? I mean, yell at somebody for what? Why are you going to yell at someone? Well, there are, there are all kinds of reasons. When you're in a pool, when you're in a indoor soccer arena, outside soccer arena, field, yeah, you need to yell sometimes for people to hear you. There's nothing wrong with that. However, do you need to yell to motivate someone? Do you need to yell to push someone I always ask a lot of coaches this question if you were a teacher would you yell at kids in the classroom now it's one thing if you've got a young man or young lady who's misbehaving acting out inappropriately doing things they shouldn't be doing that that's a disciplinary issue that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about motivating athletes Is it appropriate to yell at kids to get them to play better? And that's what I want to get at today. I've had several clients over the last couple of months who are now teenagers, 
One's a tennis player. One's a soccer player, actually three. One, and one's a softball player. They've told me when their coach yells at them, they want to quit. I said, I'm tired of being yelled at. I'm tired of being criticized for making a mistake. One young lady who's an eighth grader, a very, very good athlete, her parents and I have sat down with her and discussed this issue. So they decided to have a meeting with the coach because the coach will make faces at her, will grimace at her. He's kicked a bucket in the dugout. He's thrown his hat down and kicked it, glared at her, yelled at her for making an error. Took her out of a game for making an error. Sat her on the bench. Didn't talk to her. Except said, you're out, sit down. And glared at her. What was accomplished by that? Well, what was accomplished by that was that she didn't want to play anymore. She said, you know what? I screwed up. I know I screwed up. It's my mistake. But Dr. Jacobs, why did he have to yell at me? I didn't do it on purpose. I, said, I, I made an error. I mean, it happens. I said, well, you and your parents need to sit down with that coach. If you want to keep playing on this team next season. I said, well, yeah, I love the girls on the team. And most of the time, he's fine. But then when he gets angry, when somebody makes a mistake, he screams and yells at him. How do the other girls on the team react? Well, the same way I do. They don't want to be there. So I encourage the parents to sit down with this coach and the young lady. A couple days later, which they did. And they said, Coach, we love being here. Our daughter loves playing here. We'd like her to share something with you. So she told him. She told him. The other day, when I made that error, you took me out, you, you got mad at me, yelled at me, and glared at me. And he said, well, I shouldn't have done that, I was wrong, but the heat of the moment got to me. I'll try not to do it again. Well, the parents said, coach, it's not, it's not about trying not to do it again, you can't do it again. Because if you do it again, we're going to have to look for another team. So, in the off-season, we would suggest you read this book. And they gave him my book, Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes for Youth Sports. And we meet again in a few weeks and see where you're at. So I'm waiting for that meeting to occur and see what happened. But the coach said he would read the book. And he said, you're right. Because I have a saying, a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about the coach, it's about the athletes. So I want to find out from you. If you're a coach, does yelling accomplish anything and I'm not talking about yelling across the soccer field for your kids to get in position. I'm talking about yelling and criticizing as far as motivation or as far as getting angry. You've got feelings, you've got emotions as a coach. But when you let your emotions run over and affect the kids you're coaching, how does that hurt, hurt them or help them? If you're a coach, do you feel yelling at kids during a game about their play is good or bad? There are coaches who believe it helps. There are coaches that they believe it, it gets kids to play better, to focus better. So I want to hear from you if you're a coach, if you think yelling at kids is helpful. I'd like to hear from you if you're a parent and you have a coach who yells or screams at your son or daughter during a game about a mistake they made. How does that make you feel? How do you react to that? And if you are or have been an athlete and you've played sports before, and you had coaches who yelled at you or got angry at you because you made a mistake. 
did that help you? You know, there are some people who get motivated by being verbally attacked. There are some people that challenges them. You know, the, the saying used to, used to be, it challenges your manhood. Well, if you're a woman, that, that doesn't work. Does it attack your femininity to get yelled at? So how do we motivate? You know, there, there are a lot of ways to motivate. And a lot of it starts with communicating and being a good listener. And I think good coaches are great listeners. They take the time to listen to their athletes. And it starts with understanding why are these athletes here? What are their goals? Why are they on the team? What do they want to accomplish? Are they here to just play the sport, have fun? Are they here because they want to move up a level and get better? Are they here because they want to get a college scholarship? They want to play professionally? What are the reasons the athletes are here? And you sit down with those athletes individually and ask them, what motivates you? Do you want me to push you? Do you want me to be quiet? What helps? Being a good communicator is the greatest asset if you're a coach. I'm a sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and I'd like to hear from you. We're talking about motivation. What motivates you as an athlete? If you're an athlete, do you like to be yelled at by your coach or not? If you're a coach, do you think yelling helps? I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. 
UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And today's topic is the issue of motivation and coaching and should you yell at kids. And I'd like to open up our phone lines and get some calls in here. If you're a parent and you have a coach coaching your child, who likes to yell and scream when they make a mistake. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? There are people who think that that is a good tactic to motivate kids. There are people who think that getting in your face, getting angry, screaming and yelling pushes kids to do better. Now, let's face it. When you look at a lot of great professional coaches, you rarely see a lot of them yell and scream. They may get angry. They may not be happy when somebody screws up and does something stupid. And then may get in an athlete's face and talk to him, maybe raise their voice. But you really see great coaches lose their temper. It doesn't mean behind, behind the scenes they're not going to get angry. You know, I look at Kansas City Chiefs coach Andy Reid, one of the most successful coaches in the NFL. You rarely see him scream and yell at players on the sideline. In fact, I don't even think I've ever seen him do it as a member, as a coach of the Chiefs. I've seen him get angry before at some players for doing some stupid things. But I've never seen him throw off his headset and flip out. Chiefs used to have a coach named Todd Haley who would do that. And quite frankly, I worked with a player who told me that in Haley's first year when he started screaming and yelling at people in training camp, he said, Doc, he lost pretty much everybody after the first week. Didn't respect him. Because he'd challenge you, challenge your manhood, challenge who you were. If you made a mistake, well, you know, coaching is about teaching. Teaching is about learning. Learning is about communicating. So if you are a good coach, 
you know when to raise your voice or to be strict, but you also know when to be considerate and caring with your athletes when they make a mistake. Now, Josh, you played sports growing up. Did you ever have a coach who yelled at you? I was fortunate enough to not have a coach yell at me. The biggest thing I think when I was, you know, a younger athlete was, you know, confidence. And I think that's what a lot of younger athletes may struggle with. They have the ability to do it um, and, and do the right things, but they don't have that confidence in themselves. And so you, as a coach, you would want to build up that confidence. And when you yell and scream at a young athlete, that can certainly, you know, tear down some confidence. So that that was my biggest thing. And I wasn't really you know, yelled or screamed at, you know, to to the extent where I didn't want to, you know, do what I was doing anymore. Did you see, and, and, and well, l- let me start off with this. First of all, I think that's a very astute observation on your part because a lot of the athletes, the teenage and high school athletes I have that come in who have confidence issues all talk about having a coach when they were younger who would yell at them, who would get angry at them when they screwed up, and now they're afraid to make mistakes, afraid to shoot the ball, afraid to take a chance because they're afraid of getting yelled at. So then they don't do it. But then they get yelled at because they don't do it. So it becomes a confidence issue. So you didn't have that problem, but I'm sure you saw coaches who did that. Yeah, you know, there's coaches here and there that that's their tactic. They'll they'll yell at you, and um, whether it's it's motivating, but, you know, usually all the coaches I had, if they so I saw them yelling at people, it was, you know, from a good place. It wasn't from, you know, a nasty, you know, point of view or just the guy was the mean it was all it was all from a good place if there was yelling and screaming but that also comes from understanding the goals the motivating factors why those athletes are on the team and sitting down and talking with those athletes about what motivates them some athletes will say coach i want you to get on me i want you to push me it's okay if i screw up get angry at me but when you're fifth sixth seventh grade i don't think that's beneficial I think it comes back to being a good communicator, and that's where being a good coach means being a good listener and understanding, like I said earlier, why those athletes are on the team. Because sometimes, if you let your emotions as a coach get in the way, then that becomes an obstacle and a barrier with those athletes trusting you, right? Would you agree with that? I would, yeah. You know, it's a big part of coaching is trust and having that, that trust in your you know, superior and you know, there's there's good coaches out there. Listening's a huge part of of being, you know, what makes a good coach, like you said. And you just want to, you know, you want to have fun. Like you you always say, you just want to have fun as a kid. And there's so many, you know, injuries that happen and in sports at high level, low level. If you're healthy and you can play, you know, that's the most important part. Go out and and have fun. Well, youth sports, and you just hit it on the head. Youth sports should be about having fun, learning fundamentals, growing, getting better, understanding what it's like when you win, when you lose, when you succeed, when you fail, but not letting that become the sole purpose for being there. It's about growth. You know, I found online some, some interesting stuff over the week while I was preparing for the show. And in one article, it said, instead of yelling, there are five things you can do. Number one, show your team what to do, not tell them what not to do. I think that's very good. Show them what to do. So they make a mistake, show them what they did wrong and how to do it right. Number two, tell them they can do better because they always can. Don't sit there and criticize them because they didn't do well. Three, focus on a few specific fundamentals to improve on. Keep it simple. You know, I always tell a lot of athletes, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. 
When you start thinking too much, you start analyzing and overanalyzing, then you get yourself in trouble. Fourth, practice, practice, practice. Practice the skills and remember to have fun doing it. And then the fifth thing is track, reward, and recognize progress no matter how slow. So when you get better at something, reinforce it, support it, encourage it. That motivates somebody. When you tell someone, hey, good job, you just, you know what, that was a great pitch you just threw there. I like the way you extended your arm. I like your follow through. Let's work on trying to do that again more the next time. Those are all positive things. Instead of screaming and yelling what they did wrong, reinforce when they do something right. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is Sports Psychology Hour, and I'd love to hear from you. If you're a coach, have you been someone who's yelled at your athletes before? And if you have, did you find that being helpful or harmful? If you are a parent and you've had a coach coaching your son or daughter who is a yeller, did you think that was beneficial or harmful to your kids? If you're an athlete or you've been an athlete and you had a coach who screamed and yelled at you when you made a mistake, did that push you to do better or did it affect your confidence? This is an issue that happens all the time. And one of the things I see, as Josh and I talked about a little while ago, I get a lot of young athletes in my office who have confidence issues as teenagers. And they will come back and tell me one of the things they're scared of is having a coach get angry at them for screwing up because when they were younger, they had a coach who would get angry at them, would scream and yell, kick things, knock things down, have a temper tantrum because they made a mistake. So if that is a beneficial way for you to get motivated, that's fine. But I don't think that is for most people. You know, the old way of coaching used to be to scream and yell. Now it's more about being a good communicator, being a good listener, being a guide. A good coach is a guide, is a director, is a psychologist, is a disciplinarian. But a good coach is a good listener. And a good coach understands why their athletes are on their team. A good coach understands what the motivating factors for those kids are being on the team. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? 
I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City, our flagship station for my show, the Sports Psychology Hour. You know, I've been on the air for 28 years here in Kansas City, and one of the topics I like to get into is coaching and motivating and helping kids out. And I thought today's topic would be a good one to get into as we get into the winter sports, especially when a lot of sports activities are indoors where you can hear what coaches say you can hear their comments you can hear their voices you can hear what they they like to contribute or maybe not contribute to their athletes motivation you know as as a sports psychologist i work with all kinds of people and i have an nfl player 
work, we work with a bunch of NFL players right now. One NFL player who's a defensive lineman. He's had issues with one of his coaches. He said, Doc, the problem I have with him is he screams and yells, gets in my face at practice, curses at me. That's not the way I was raised. Now, I, I don't need a lot of motivation to play hard. So he and I had a long talk a couple weeks ago. And I said, well, I think you, I think it's time that you sit down with this coach because this, this is a new team he's on this year. You need to sit down with him and say, look, coach, can we talk? He said, Doc, what do you think he'll say to me? I said, well, if he's a decent coach, he'll say sure. And if he's a you-know-what, he won't. And everything you've told me, it sounds like the guy is probably a halfway decent guy. I think he's trying to push you because you're somewhat of an introvert. And he's trying to get in your head. But he's doing it the wrong way. So he did. He That week, he went up to his coach and said, Coach, can we talk? Can we have a one-on-one discussion? The coach said, sure. So after practice that day, they sat down. And he said, Coach, look, I know you're trying to push me. I know you're trying to help me. But screaming and yelling at me and calling me names does not help. I mean, if I screw up and I mess up, get on me. But you don't have to call me names and insult me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong, and let's work on changing that. And this coach, to his credit, said, look, son, I didn't know that about you. I thought because you're, you're somewhat of an introvert, I thought I needed to get in your head and push it. He says, no. Yes, I am an introvert. I do keep to myself. But I think. And I hear everything you say, but when you when you call me names, that that makes me not want to play. I'm like, I don't want to do this for you. I don't have any respect for you. So this coach's credit, he's changed his tune. And guess what? This guy's playing better. He's playing better because they sat down and talked. They communicated to each other. Now it took the athlete to take the upper hand. I think it should be the coach who should do it. However, I think this is a great lesson if you're a parent listening right now and your son or daughter has a coach who's getting on them a little bit too intensely, maybe too hard, and it's not helping. You need to, you know, I always tell parents and coach and athletes this. If, you, if you're younger than 6th, 7th grade, then you as a parent need to go in and talk to the coach with your son or daughter. Once you get to middle school, high school, I think kids can take the lead and say something, especially in high school. And, of course, in college, it's up to them. I've had, but However, I've had college athletes whose parents have had to get involved because coaches didn't listen to their kids. I had a young man who's a golfer, college golfer, had a back issue. The coach didn't believe him. I mean, he went to the trainer. The trainer validated. coach didn't believe him. said, you're going to practice. You're on a scholarship. We're paying you money to be here. This young man's mother called the coach and said, look, I need to talk to you. And the coach said, okay, fine, what do you need? And she goes, look, my son has a disc problem. He cannot practice until this is healed. And if you keep pushing into practice and he injures it more, we're going to have to consult an attorney. Because I'm telling you right now, he can't play. He wants to play. He'll do whatever you want him to do. But you're causing more harm than good. It took his mother to talk to the coach to get the coach to back off. Now, it shouldn't be that way, but it was. All right, what motivates you as a coach to push your kids? Do you feel you need to yell and scream? Do you feel you're a good communicator? I want to hear from you. If you're a coach, if you are an athletic director, and I know there are a lot of athletic directors who comment, send me, send me text messages and emails after these shows. 
and you have a coach who yells, is that something you approve of? How do you handle that as an AD? Do you let them do that because they win? Or do you feel that's harmful or detrimental to the athletes that they're working with? Do you have to scream and yell to motivate? There's a great article several years ago in ESPN Magazine, the year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, talking about Pete Carroll's philosophy, talking about his coaches. And his offensive line coach at the time was Tom Cable, former NFL head coach for the Raiders. Cable mentioned in this article that he used to be a yeller and screamer. He thought that was the way you pushed kids at the professional level. He said it wasn't until he came to the Seahawks, listened to their sports psychologist who talked about communication, talked about motivation, talked about coaching styles, that he said he realized he had been doing it the wrong way. He realized the way you push and challenge people is to listen to them, understand their goals, understand what motivates them, understand what challenges them. So, Josh, when you played sports, did your coaches get to know you as a person, or did they not really do that? Um, well, I grew up, and it was my it was my dad that was my coach most of the time, so he knew me pretty well. Um, other coaches I've had, yeah, they they've taken the initiative to you know try to get to know their their players. I think from a good standpoint, at least, you know, face face value, face level, and that, that's really important as a coach to try to. Get to know your your athletes. See, I think the way you do that is when you start a season, you have all the athletes on your team. And I don't care if you have a football team with 120 players. You have all your athletes. Take some time to make five lists. List of their goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, distractions. And as a coach, you sit down and talk with them about it. So if you're a coach coaching, you know, eighth grade basketball, you have your team. It's probably 12 to 13, 14 kids. Have them all write down their goals. You can just keep it simple. Have them write their goals. What are your goals? Why are you here? And then understand what's there. Well, I'm here because I want to play basketball. I want to get better. I want to play in high school. I'm here because my friends are on the team. I'm here because my mom and dad are making me do it. What are the motivating factors? As a coach, then you can get to understand why they're there. Then that's going to help you understand them and help you help them to get better. But then if you don't do that, you don't know why they're there, they're not pushing themselves at practice. You scream and yell at them. They don't really want to be there to begin with. You scream and yell at them. That's going to make it even worse. Yeah, I would agree with that standpoint. When you're yelling and screaming and, you know, it, you have to know the athlete to begin with if you're, if you're going to yell at them. If you don't know them at all and you're just yelling at them, then, you know, it's going to tear down some confidence. And it's easier to get to know your basketball team or your baseball team. When it comes to football, you've got so many, you know, people usually that it's it's harder to get to know all those people. So that's, that's where you have position coaches, and that's their that should be their job. They they take the time to do that. And that, but see, here's the thing: I know when you get to the collegiate level, you are getting paid to play, essentially when you're on a scholarship, and coaches' jobs are on the line, and that's where you know, okay, so that coach is going to get angry if you screw up because you should know better. But that's where good coaches may get angry at you at practice. But then they'll talk to you afterwards. I know a lot of people are very critical of Tom Izzo, the Michigan State basketball coach. But I also know that he does take the time to talk with his kids, and they know why he's like that. So if they're going to go to Michigan State and play basketball for him, they know he's going to scream and yell at him. 
but they also know that he's doing that because he cares, not because he he's, he's doesn't like them. Now, some kids can't handle that. There are a lot of coaches who will get angry at their, their athletes. They'll ride them in practice. I know I've, I've never been at a KU practice. I know Bill Self rides his players hard, but Bill Self also tells them that he cares about them. There's never been a, a player who's left a KU program as badmouth KU. Okay, who's transferred? And I think that's because of the respect factor. And I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, you're a parent, you're an athlete. We're talking about motivation. We're talking about should you scream and yell at your athletes? I'd like to hear from you, get your thoughts. If you're a coach, does that help? If you're an athlete, does it help? If you're a parent, you've had a coach that does that, how do you handle that? Give me a call and let's talk. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF 
plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Today's topic is the issue of motivation. Should you yell at athletes? How do you motivate athletes? What's the best way to do it? There are a lot of factors that come into play when you're a coach, and I think the greatest asset a coach can have is being a good listener, being a good psychologist, being a good evaluator of the people they're working with. Get to know them as people. And then you'll know how to push them. There might be some kids you need to challenge and push. And there might be some kids you need to be more laid back with. But that's where if you take the time to get to know them and understand why they're there, that's going to be a big asset for you. And let's go to the phones. Got a couple of people online. Let's go first to Smokey. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I've been. I've talked to you a couple of times already. Okay. Well, thanks for calling in. What would you like to share with us? Well, I want to share with you about uh, how you push an athlete. Because I've been on both ends. I've been the athlete, I've been the teacher, and I've been the father of the athlete. So I've been in three different categories. It all has to do with what you're talking about. All right. And what do you think the best way to motivate kids is? Well, I think that uh, just like training a horse, you have to bond with them, get their respect, and once they get the respect for you, then they will listen to you. And then once you appraise them for what they do, then that'll make them want to work that much harder to uh, compete better. That's great advice. Do you think yelling works? Never. Just like a horse. You cannot yell at a horse and get anything done. you got to bond with them, and you got to talk in a soft voice. How old are you, Smokey? I'm 86 years old. Well, sir, I want to thank you for calling in and sharing your thoughts. I think that's great advice. And the fact that you're taking the time to call up and, and, and share what you've experienced, I think, is great. And obviously, you've been through a lot and understand that. Do you see youth sports today as being as beneficial as it was when you were growing up? Or do you see it more as more of a business where people more care about just making money? No, uh, when I was growing up, I think people was a little rougher on you on sports than they are now because they've grown to understand. Just like when I was growing up, the kid and the rod, that was the way to correct the kid. But now they use affection training, and I think affection training is better than training them with a rod. Well, I would agree with you on that very much so. And listen, sir, I want to thank you for calling in and sharing your thoughts with us. Thanks for listening. Great advice. I hope a lot of people take what you've said and, and take it to heart. Thank you for calling. Well, thank you, and God bless you. Have a wonderful day. You, you too, sir. Take care of yourself. 86 years old, listen to this show. Just goes to show you don't, don't have to be 14, 15. You can be any age and help contribute to what we talk about here. Let's go next to Brad. Brad, good morning. Dr. Jacobs, how are you? Good morning, Dr. Jacobs. This is Brad from Center High School. Hard to follow that call up, isn't it? Yeah, I never never compared um, coaching to breaking a horse before, but that guy was pretty much right on. <laughs> well, my great uncle was the winningest trainer in horse racing history when he died in 1970, and I will tell you that uh, 
I think he would have agreed with that statement. I would have, he would have agreed with that statement. All right, well, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, but he but he's right. I mean, if you beat the horse and scream and yell and hurt it, why is it going to work for you? Yes, sir. I think it makes a lot of sense. All right, what would you like to share with us, Brad? I like I like when you're talking about goals. I think the, you talked about goals of the of the player. Uh, maybe goals of the coach, but I think you need to talk about goals of the whole program. And, you know, junior high, high school um, program goals should be completely different maybe than what they are in college and professional sports. All right. Give us, the, give us your rationale behind that. I agree with you, but tell us why you feel that way. Well, number one, you're trying to build kids. You're trying to build them into successful adults. And if you, I don't believe you can coach kids like you can coach professional sport athletes the same because not many of those kids are going to become, in reality, are going to ever get that high. And so I think you're trying to work toward building better adults and better parents first. Well, does that basically come down to understanding why the athletes are there in the first place and taking the time to get to know them as people? Well, very much so. You you know me. We've talked about this several times. The relationship piece is the biggest thing out there. Well, and, right. Um, and that's, that's huge you for you. That's huge for you, and I know that is. You have a tremendous program at your school. And share with everybody what you basically you do, because you have this email that you send out every day, which is which I get, which is awesome. And then tell people why you do that and, and the rationale behind it. Uh, the rationale behind my emails was first to reach out to my coaches because I don't get to talk to my coaches every day. I don't get to see them every day. And they're the ones that are one-on-one with my kids every day. And so I think for me to – I reach out. I call it my positive coaching community. Um, I reach out with some kind of a leadership thing every day, something personal sometimes about me. Um, because I want my coaches to be like that with my kids. And I want my coaches to develop those relationships, lead positively, and um, make those kids better adults as they grow. What's the the best way you think you can, you communicate with your coaches? I know you have this email that you send out, but what's the best way you communicate with them about how you feel they do? My example's the best way. When I, the way I lead or the way I treat people is the best example I can do for kids or coaches. Have you ever if had... I, a, go ahead, sorry. If I go off the handle, if I bring somebody into my office and yell and scream at them for doing something that I don't think's right, uh, I'm not. I'm not a great yeller or screamer. I'm pretty good <laughs> at telling them. I'm pretty good at telling them I'm disappointed. And I'm and, sure you've had uh, to do that, right? You've had to do that before. Very much so. And and that's not the way we're going to be doing it in my program. So um, I think that gets across more than yelling and screaming. You've seen coaches on other, at other schools who yell and scream. What is the harm that that does to kids? Well, like I said, the best example you can – the best example of leadership is how you lead. And – if you're setting that example for kids, then the, if you're saying it's okay to yell and scream at a kid or, or an official, or well, the next thing you know, the kid's going to be doing that. And the next thing you know, the parents in the stands are going to be doing that. And that's, that's the tone you set for your programs. 
Well, you just hit it on the head, Brad. That's exactly right. It, it, it just feeds on itself, and then everything gets out of control. And as an athletic director, ultimately that falls back to you. So you've got to have some specific goals and guidelines and philosophies you've got to share with, with the people who work with you, the coaches that work for you. And I'm sure right. when, you, when you've had somebody that doesn't follow along that, you've got to sit down and talk to them about it and make sure they change, or else maybe they're not going to be around. My number one thing when I hire a coach is to tell them I'm never going to evaluate you by wins and losses. I'm going to evaluate you by the success of kids coming out of your program. And I know you've shared before on this show because you've called them before. You've been a guest before. You've had, when you first came on as the athletic director there, some coaches didn't believe in that, so they left. But the coaches there now have bought into the philosophy, and it works. Yes, sir. And I, and I can't. I've told you before, we're not perfect. Um, all we can do is keep trying to do our best. Well, I want to thank you for calling in, Brad. As always, you have great comments, great feedback, and I think your program is tremendous. If people want to get a hold of you. How can they reach you? I'd, I'd like you to share your your email address. People want to jump on on board with that. Now they can always reach out to me. At, uh, my email is b sweeten s w e e t e n at center dot k twelve dot m o dot u s Listen, sir, thanks for calling in and sharing your thoughts. I appreciate it very much, and you have a great week. Thank you for your program, Dr. Jacobs. You're welcome. Take care of yourself. You know, that's two great calls here at the end of the show, and I want to thank Smokey and Brad, and Smokey, especially you, sir, for 86 years old listening to this show and sharing your thoughts. Brad Sweeten, tremendous guy, tremendous guy. He's been on the show before. He'll be on again. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you enjoy what we talked about today. Share it. Play our podcast. Get your coaches to listen to it. The podcast will be listened to it here at Sports Radio 810 WHB or on SoundCloud or type in Dr. Jacobs, Andrew Jacobs, or my website, winnersunlimited.com. You can reach me at drj at winnersunlimited.com. My office number is 816-561-5556. Follow me on Twitter at, at drj sports psych, at drj S-P-R-T-P-S-Y-C-H. Next week, I'm going to have a great, great interview. I'm going to be talk, talking with former NBA player, NBA coach, great guy, Earl Watson. He's going to be in. We're going to talk about his career, his philosophy, about success and failure. Incredible man. I've gotten to know him a little bit. You're going to love the interview. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. 
Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.